0: Hi Green Junkie, I'm your host Stephanie Moran and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jonathan Quinn. Jonathan is the Director of Market Development and Sustainability at PreGIS, where he leads the market segmentation strategy development and execution along with all the facets of Flexible Packaging Sustainability which focuses on providing innovative products and services that protect, preserve, And inspire. Jonathan is recognized as an expert in the areas of packaging sustainability, consumer insight, and the voice of the consumers' association with packaging. He has conducted extensive consumer research on the e commerce and consumer packaged goods sectors. In February of 2021, Jonathan was recognized by Plastic News as a top social media influencer in plastics and packaging. In January of 2022, Jonathan received the designation of 40 Under 40 by Waste 360 for his contribution to waste, recycling, and sustainability. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to my Green Junkie podcast on whatever platform you're using. So let's get started and let's talk about sustainability and packaging. So hey, Jonathan, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. I could not tell you how excited I am to to talk packaging sustainability with you. So no, it's your favorite topic.
0: <laughs> I think the first question I kind of have for you is like, just to tell the listeners a little bit about you, like who you are, and how you got started into the field of like sustainable, like sustainable packaging.
1: yeah. So I grew up around the flexible packaging industry. I have a picture of being in a box of resin. So when we talk about what's resin, resin's the small little plastic pellets that you melt and extrude and turn into film or you turn it into a cap or a bottle. So I have pictures of me in, in, in a box of resin when I was two and I was in the lab doing, doing testing on, on flexible films when I was five because it is what I thought was the cool thing to do. <laughs> um, and I grew up around the, the industry. My dad was, uh, was an executive within the flexible packaging industry, and that's really what opened my eyes to all that, that packaging could provide. And I went to school and I went to Clemson and studied packaging and business. Growing up, my goal was always to hopefully beat my dad. And, and one of the, <laughs> the things that I will say is, for years, the packaging industry probably had a lot of opportunity to do more in the area of sustainability. And when I look at how I've wanted to compete and beat my dad, one of the key areas that, I've, that I have an opportunity is to help to advance the sustainable packaging conversation. So that's really how I've been become so focused on it and, and so really ingrained into my DNA, um, literally and, and probably figuratively as well.
0: And so at home, as a family, you know, outside of the packaging, do you as yeah. a family try to live more green? Like, what is it that you guys do outside of packaging? So I know that's like, that's your focus, right? Packaging, sustainable packaging. How can we make that better? So is there anything you guys do as a family? Like, do you try to like live more green as a family at home?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I think the critical point part for me is so, I mean, so I'm married, I have a, a a daughter who's four and a son who's two. And it's incredibly important that I make sure that they understand the positive value that plastic and flexible plastic packaging brings to their everyday life. And right. my kids are really, my, my daughter a few years ago was really excited about on YouTube and it's also on, on the, whatever you want to call it, ETV, or, or however you call it, but cocoa Melon. And, and Coco Melon has the song Plastic Belongs in the Plastic Bin. And like that was at one point where a light went off in my head. And it was an opportunity to really like educate my, at the time, three year old daughter about why it was so important about plastic going into the plastic bin and making sure that we're sorting our materials correctly and making sure that both of my kids understand the importance around recycling and why we need to be advocates, why they need to teach their friends about why recycling is important, but also why one material isn't worse than the other and really understand the value and the science associated with every material. And like I said earlier, I went to school for packaging. There's a science and there's factual based reasoning why materials are selected and what they do and perform and what those materials enable. And really making sure that I hope that my kids are excited about the flexible packaging industry and, and want to be a part of it. but to your back to your, your the focus of your question <laughs> is how are we and, and what are we doing to live green and make and I think the the biggest thing that I will say is making sure that we are recycling recycling advocates and really showcasing, to our neighbors and our family and our friends why it's so important and why recycling is so critical to enabling a circular economy and really pushing that forward and and really finding ways to shed light on some of those things and some of the conversations that exist today that may be, to a certain extent, I don't want to call it necessarily say greenwashing, but making sure that the, the the perspective of the total life cycle of of a product and its impact on the environment from start to finish is really looked at and paid attention to.
0: Right. And back to like the very beginning, like I love that, like I'm not the only person that's a fanatic when it comes to recycling. And it's just, I think it's so critical. And so many people just don't know, like even composting. Recycling. People don't know how to do it properly, and I don't think people realize the impact that they're that they not knowing how to recycle properly impacts like everything. Like if you put something in the recycling that's not supposed to be there, like a plastic bag, because your recycling facility doesn't take plastic bags, like you're really impacting everything. You're slowing stuff down. It gets jammed in machines. It just it causes a whole lot of havoc. So, you know, teaching people how to recycle properly is so important because it just, it affects everything. Right. So I'm so glad right. that I'm not the only fanatic, like I'll see something in recycling. I'm like, oh, that doesn't go there. My friends, let's go. To yeah. else.
1: <laughs> but it, like, it's, it, you're, you're totally right. And I think the big thing is because you're in Canada. And then so prior to, to, to coming to pregis, um, I worked for a Canadian, Canadian company. So really got exposed to so much of the, call it the recycling stream, which exists in Canada as compared to the U.S., how far advanced Canada is, but yet how far both of us have to go um, into really being where we need to be. And it all really circles back to collection. If you look at how much of whether it's flexible or or rigid or, or any material how little really gets recycled. It's Mm -hmm. mind blowing that percentage. And if you look at by weight, 10% of landfills is actually plastic. Now that's just, that isn't include, that's includes flexible and rigid plastic. So only 10%, but yet plastic gets labeled as, as the enemy. And we need to find ways to increase the amount of flexible plastic material that's being collected to really support and drive towards the circular economy conversation and that's why recycling is so critical
0: and so before we continue i just wanted to maybe for you to take a minute and maybe explain like flexible packaging like you you've mentioned it multiple times maybe just for the audience yeah to understand what flexible packaging is and like maybe what when you're because that's what you focus on but then like what yeah. rigid package rigid packaging is
1: yeah, no, that that's this. Uh, I <laughs> incredibly appreciate that question because I know that everybody isn't a packaging nerd, like. Me. So when it comes to flexible packaging, that really comes down to whether it's a pouch or a bag or anything that really comes in direct contact with the product. In a lot of cases, but it could be some indirect uh, instances. So, like if you Buy something from Amazon, and there's air pillows on the inside, or bubble, or cushioning material. That would be classified as as flexible plastic packaging or flexible packaging. But the traditional stand up pouch, or, or a potato chip bag, or anything that's flexible. Uh, when it comes to rigid, that's going to be like a water bottle, or right. some other some other liquid product, uh, or, or something like that, or like a, a yogurt cup, or something along those lines. Hopefully that makes a little bit of sense.
0: No, that makes sense. And I just wanted to come back to what you said, like before that, you know, plastic is labeled as an enemy and and I'm getting, you know, fully transparent. Like I hate plastic. Yeah, (laughs) I really do. But I think you also, you know, there are all alternatives out there, right? There is alternatives to plastic. And when there is an alternative, I love that alternative, but sometimes there isn't an alternative. And I think, that's where, yes, we can reduce the amount of maybe products that are produced with plastic, but then, you know, a car seat needs some plastic on it. You know what I mean? Like I would love to live plastic free, but a car seat has steel and plastic on it. And I don't know if they'll ever be able to get away from plastic, maybe, maybe bioplastics. I don't know. That's another conversation, but I just think there's like, there's always the extremes, no matter what we're talking about, like the extreme of like everything we need to rid our world of plastic, which sounds really great in reality, but is it even possible right now? And then there's the extreme of like, let's use plastic for everything. You know, there has to be like right. a middle. I feel like, and I don't know how you feel on it. I'd love your,
1: yeah. your take no, on it. I mean,
0: like, go ahead. Sir. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I totally um, hear where you're coming from. And one of the key points that I like to drive home is I went to school for packaging. And <laughs> when I say packaging, that's not just plastic, that's glass, mm-hmm. that's metal, that's paper, And I've had exposure to it all. And like I was saying earlier, there's science and there's factual based reasoning why materials have been selected. Today, are there applications where there's excessive use of plastic? 100%. Not even going to ignore that fact. But what I want to highlight and what I think is critical for everybody to understand is how much value plastic provides to our everyday lives. And of the everyday consumer. And, and I think that that is what we need to make sure that we all understand. And I'm not blinded by, by over <laughs> loyalty to, to plastic. Because like I said, there is applications 100% where there's opportunity to reduce the reliance on plastic. But where plastic is being used in a lot of cases today plastic is the best option, particularly when you look at food packaging. So if you were to take and you were to eliminate 10 million pounds of plastic packaging today, it would take 40 million pounds of an alternative material. That's four times the amount. So what does that mean though? That's four times the number of trucks. That's four times the amount of right. water used to produce. That's four times the amount of emissions. I mean, and 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 that's probably a greater number, but just a simple and real statistic there. I mean, it's true. And and I think the the the, the big thing is that what we can all agree is that plastic nor any, no other material belongs in the environment. And it's about that collection and making sure that we keep these materials and enable that circular economy conversation.
0: Right. And I also think, you know, I appreciate your perspective. And, you know, I want to have like real conversations with people. It doesn't always Mm -hmm. have to be my perspective, (laughs) but I, I think it's also, you know, we create a product, whether it's packaging and then it's like, okay, great such and such a company made a pouch they put a protein powder in it whatever powder and then it's like I did my job I created it and then but there's no way to recycle it it's not compostable so it can't be composted so I just feel like I guess my biggest problem sometimes with plastic is is that it's created but then there's no way to dispose of it after and not only is there no way to sometimes dispose of it there's no resources to dispose of it if that makes sense like you know, yeah. my local recycling facility takes back plastic bags. They all have to go into a plastic bag and then throw all the bag of plastic bags into the recycling. But that's not every location. Right. That's not right. because it takes a special machine to recycle plastic bags. So it's just it's like it's annoying that, OK, great plastic bags are what we're going to use. But then it's like the company kind of washes their hands and says, OK, Figure out how we're going to dispose of that. So I think that's also the missing piece. Know that the disposal of the product, if we're going to use plastic and we know that you can find plastic in the oceans and and all that kind of stuff and animals are eating it and blah, 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 like then how do we dispose of it properly? And I just wonder if that's like, isn't that like the missing piece as well? Like the elephant in the room kind of thing? Like, why does the consumer have to be the one responsible for the packaging that's created? Shouldn't it be the company?
1: Well, so I'll 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 spin this a little bit um, <laughs> on about like the idea that the packaging or the brand is responsible okay. for for the packaging. So you're a mom, and you have I think you have two kids, right? Right. So as a mom, if your kids leave their jeans on the floor, is that the responsibility of Levi or or Whatever brand of jeans to be picking up those same pair of pants <laughs> inside your house.
0: No, My it's a
1: job of the consumer, and right. as a as a contributing member of society, we have to be we have to clean up our we have to clean up our messes, and if we have to properly take care of those, and it's the same thing with packaging. I'm not going to ignore the fact that we have to enable similarly you could say well if your kids had a laundry bin but they don't they they miss the bin or they they <laughs> they ignore the fact that it belongs there that's where we have to enable those bins and and taking a step back also to the conversation around composting in the US less than 4% of consumers have access to industrial composting that's a big deal. And the other challenge when you bring in the the compostable part of the conversation is similarly to when you talk about like plastic bags screwing up the recycling stream, like compostable materials do (laughs) that as well. And and then on top of all of this, does compostability give the consumer the license to litter? I think that's one of the other big things (laughs) that if, we're not, if we don't give the consumer a one track, like this is what you do every time, and there you create questioning or uncertainty, that's not helping us on either side of the, the, the spectrum. And that's really why, again, why it's so critical and why I make such a point with my kids about, it's about recycling. It's about enabling a circular economy through that avenue versus anything else in, 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 in my perspective, is there other opportunities? Yes. But ultimately we need to improve and increase collection to drive towards a circular economy. And that is really what it, what it needs to be about.
0: Yeah. And, and I agree. I just, I also think like, yes, I agree. The jeans, my kids should pick up the jeans. It's not Levi's or whatever company. I I totally get that point. I guess my thing is like, Sometimes, you know, I'll see a packaging and it'll say, don't forget to recycle. And I'm like, there's no triangle on it. There's no way to recycle it. And it's just like they're passing the buck onto the consumer to figure it out. And I think that's kind of where I get frustrated, where it's like, "Okay, this packaging was created. You decided to use it take a little bit of responsibility for what's going to happen to this package after it's in the hands of the consumer. Oh, yeah. So I feel like there needs to be more education for the company, more education for the consumer, and then On somewhere back, yeah. in between needs to be, okay, how do these things get disposed of? Is it the government that supplies it? Is it your local um, city that supplies it? Whatever it is, like you were talking about composting, like composting is big here. Like industrial composting is huge. It's big mm-hmm. in Quebec. It's big in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And Oh, yeah. And yeah, so I just think it's like a mix, right? It's kind of like the mix of like, we all need to take some responsibility, but often like I got this packaging and it's like biodegradable. Like, I'm like, dude, like we cannot write biodegradable on the packaging. Everything's technically biodegradable, but I just think the company wasn't educated and the packaging was definitely not compostable. I did not put it in the compost, but it's just the labeling. It's like, can't there just be a (laughs) universal way like, to yeah. you know, why does every company have to do everything different why does every city have to recycle differently like you know it's i guess it's just all around frustrating at times when it comes to packaging and that we, we all need to take some sort of responsibility whether it's the company the recycling facilities the consumer you know what i mean like that's kind of how i view it similar to you like with the jeans i totally get yeah point.
1: <laughs> no no uh I, so there there so the labeling is a very critical and it's a critical conversation today from uh from a legislation perspective there is labeling and there has been and I don't know if if you've heard of the the how to recycle logo which really directs the consumer on how to properly dispose of their packaging i think that is One of the the most critical things right now is educating the consumer. And frankly, that's one of the key reasons of why I'm so excited to be on the podcast with you today to help consumers understand what is recyclable, what's not recyclable, and really push the conversation forward. That's been one of my missions, just a personal, personal mission, is to get the packaging conversation on stages that it hasn't been before. Instead of the packaging industry talking to the packaging industry, <laughs> finding ways and creating opportunities to talk to the consumer. Because at the end of the day, the consumer is the most critical part of this entire conversation. Because we can come up with the greatest material. We can come up with the greatest uh, way to dispose or recycle. But unless the consumer is bought in and understands and they're along for the ride, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to get nowhere. And really, that's why we've got to advance that circular economy conversation and, and, and drive home to the consumer and enable the convenience associated with, with regard to recyclability and, and sustainability. So those are some of the, the key things, but you're totally correct in that uniform adoption of the How to Recycle logo We're going to go through an evolution of it. And like California, for example, banned the Chasing Arrows. Well, what does that do? That only further distance (laughs) the consumer from understanding what's recyclable and what's not. And so I'm on the the chairman of the association uh, called the Emerging Leadership Council, which is a part of FPA. I'm on the chairman's advisory council of FPA. FPA means the Flexible Packaging Association, and we're playing a critical role in making sure that that labeling is improving, that the consumer is going to know and understand what's recyclable and what's not and how to dispose of it if it is or is not, and making that an easy process. Because, and and that's one of the the, the key things as far as some of the really in-depth consumer research that I've done. Um, looking at consumers across the U.S. and Canada and understanding how they react or how they feel about plastic and plastic packaging, but also more broadly. And when you look at all other materials, so if you look at whether it's glass, metal, or paper, what do the consumer, what do they believe uh, about those materials or what do they value uh, out of those materials is they value them for their recyclability. But when it comes to plastic, whether it's rigid or flexible, they value that material for its convenience. Right. But that's because glass, metal, and paper, those materials have been around forever. Plastic is the newer guy on the block. So we've got to enable them to properly recycle that. And I, I think I've said it a million times already <laughs> uh, while we've had this conversation, but plastic is the key to enabling a circular economy.
0: and. I also want to come back to the California thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: did not know that. So they're not allowed to have like the little triangle on their packaging anymore. So right? Like, how do right. people know what to do with the plastic?
1: That's, the, that's <laughs> the question. They said that the chasing arrows basically created confusion because people would see the chasing arrow and assume it was recyclable, even if it wasn't, and they would recycle it or they wouldn't know how to recycle it. And so that's where we're seeing kind of the growth and the evolution associated with as it pertains to uh, kind of that how to recycle logo and, and how does that evolve. The old gods have fallen and the world descends into
0: turmoil. But amidst nations rallying their armies.
1: A nefarious cult hellbent on chaos. And the new gods attempting to seize control of it all. A spark of hope arises. We are the agents of repair, and we vow to contest these evils. To make the world a better place. No matter what stands in our way. Listen to Venture Forth, a DD podcast across all podcasting
0: platforms. I I think it's kind of stupid.
1: (laughs) Oh, hey, I'm not going to to necessarily uh, disagree with you.
0: (laughs) I just feel like there's so much confusion about recycling. Like number six plastic can't, like our recycling doesn't take number six. If I do have number six plastic, I need to save it all and bring it directly, which isn't far. And that's what I do because I live that dark green, almost black. So I keep it and bring it, but not everyone does that. So people put number six in the recycling, but if there's no like, and I get plastic like if my kid gets a toy and I'm just like, oh, stupid plastic. There's no there's no symbol on it. I'm like, great, can't be recycled. It's going to TerraCycle. Like, yeah. So now I'm just thinking, all in California, if there's no little square, like triangle, how do they know what type of plastic it is? So when the recycling facility receives it, how do they know what to do with it? (laughs) Like, this is where my confusion is.
1: Yeah, so the the recycling centers they don't necessarily look at the recycling codes. They have other sortation right. um, methods associated with the type of polymer, and 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 so that's really what drives their sortation. But regardless, I, I I agree with you, and that's this is one of those things that like I am incredibly passionate about is enabling the. Ease and convenience of recycling and creating ways that engage the consumer, educate the consumer, right, and create those opportunities to recycle.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I you know, there's definitely can be a better way to recycle, <laughs> you know. There, like you said, having you know it universal, having compost to be composting universal, like we have yeah. a long way to go, but I think eliminating totally the numbers I when it's like the only state that's doing it and yeah. there's no well, way that's can- the
1: thing is is the worry and concern that other states are gonna gonna take it as an opportunity or or other call it elected officials are gonna see this as a way to just oh we can get something done we can check a box but they don't pay attention to the long-term and lasting impacts that that's gonna have and just because you, you eliminate a, a, a symbol or you eliminate a, a way to educate the consumer and that means, oh, you're going to get rid of the material, but that's not the answer. The, the sustainability conversation is not, there's no one material that's the silver bullet. Mm-hmm. I'll stand and say that this is not a, plastic is not going to solve everything. We're not going to solve everything. We are, it's an and-and situation, right. and we really need to focus on the overarching sustainability focuses in those various material categories, but with the overarching is to make sure that we are having the least overall environmental impact on the environment.
0: Right, and we're all going to create waste. It's just how can we, when yeah. we do create waste, is there a way... For to be the recycled. most
1: sustainable, the most sustainable way to live is to be dead. Basically that's pretty <laughs> much it Yeah, it's and, not, it shouldn't be that way.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about composting and I would have a conversation. my My sister-in-law was here and she was asking me questions because we have our composting and all that. And, and, you know, she works for, you know, her small, her small city in Nova Scotia. And, you know, she's really trying to bring some sustainability to the table, you know, as much as she can. And we were talking about composting and she's like, all the restaurants are bringing in all this compostable packaging. But our composting, like recycling facility doesn't take that because right. they don't have industrial composting. So I'm like, again, you exactly. start the conversation. And I'm like, it almost like defeats the Barbaz. Yes, <laughs> like,
1: exactly. It's so
0: frustrating. And like a
1: few years ago. <laughs> Baltimore did that and and my sister-in-law similarly was all excited but I had to kind of give the wake-up call that really you do need to know that there's no industrial composting facility in the state of Maryland so I don't know what you're doing I don't know who who was who was the brains behind it but that wasn't necessarily sending us in the the right direction and I think a lot of it was tied to the waste that was finding its way into the Inner Harbor, which is an, a horrible thing. And, and we need to eliminate that. But why is it that um, all of these, call it flexible, not necessarily flexible, but plastic-driven materials were, were being found inside of the, the Inner Harbor in, in Maryland? It was because everything floats versus glass or metal or paper which is going to sink and so we have to have like a whole understanding of people aren't just littering plastic people are littering all materials and oh for sure because plastic is the material that floats it's the most visible i'm not trying to make an excuse i'm just trying to have a reality check to right. it's not just plastic like people don't say oh i'll throw the plastic in the ocean because i can or because i should like that it, it's it's not that's not the the the, the total issue there
0: right and it's just it's like <laughs> it's great and dandy like oh like in maryland and the small town in nova scotia we're gonna come out with like compostable packaging this is gonna be amazing like you said, it's like, there's no industrial pa- like composting. So we're yeah. just like switching one problem to another, you know, like yeah. we have it here. So the restaurants that have compostable pa- uh, packaging or anything like that here where I live, it's totally fine. Our city picks it up and it's industrial composted and that's great. But it's like, we were having this conversation with my sister-in-law and she's like, I don't understand why they're doing this. And I was like, Cause it's, I don't know either, but like, if you don't have industrial composting, it like defeats yeah. the total purpose, you know? So I just think this is such like a big conversation when it comes to packaging and we can't avoid oh, packaging, yeah. right? Like we can't avoid oh, it. Yeah. There's and, ways to and, minimize it, right? And Right, you know,
1: reduce. And, and and then that's one of the most important things is like the, the, the technology that we have at Preja specifically to enable the reduction of overall materials and and improve and increase the amount of whether it's post-industrial or post-consumer recycled content. Um, The things that we're doing from an advanced recycling uh, conversation, uh, and when I say advanced, is being able to, rather than mechanically recycle materials, but take the material and break it back down to its Original, call it monomer state, which I'm going totally plastic <laughs> geek right now, so we won't even go down that that hole. But I think the the, the critical point of where I was going, and, and I, I'll ask you this question, so or, or, or give you this sort of analogy, which is similar probably to something that I my the, the conversation that I used for the the blue jeans. But why again? Why it's so critical? For us to enable that recycling stream is that we have to eliminate those high value flexible materials that we've developed that are higher value plastic, and we have to enable them back into to be re-entering into the to the circular economy, re-entering the system. And the the the, the point I'm trying to make is you cannot take a minivan and turn it into a Ferrari. And that's the, the the connection between making sure that we're taking those high-value flexible materials and, and also rigid materials, and they're entering in the recycle stream so that we can take that back and recreate and give a second life to that material and, and give that a second life to material, to an application where... It's adding additional value by reducing food waste or or a number of different things.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to touch on something. Um, so we were talking about like recycling, right? And there's just some stuff that can't go in your recycling, like any sort of, you know, packaging that has like um like a seal on it, like it can't go in the recycling, at least not our recycling. And so I I use Terracycle, you know, and uh-huh. there are companies that use Terracycle. And I would love that if it was again. Universal, (laughs) somehow, like there's companies out that are like, okay, when you're done with our products, take a box, fill it up with our products, and then, oh yeah, ship it to us, right? And I love the concept. Most of the companies that, that, that. Sorry, go ahead.
1: That's that's exactly. So you brought up TerraCycle, and we were talking about my kids, and one of the teaching moments was they get mini muffins. They love the packaged mini muffins and that film is TerraCycle approved. So we send the mini muffin package in and it gets recycled, but that's like the, why it's important for us to save that, that, that film and why it's important to recycle it and, and where those opportunities to leverage and utilize TerraCycle is, is incredibly important. And it's those small, a consumer could look at that as being a small act, but it's a big act and it's those small wins that we're able to build as a call it a, a circular uh, a circular clan or a circular group, whatever whatever you want to use for it. But those small steps are critical for us to move the, the, the conversation forward.
0: Yeah. And I just, you know, uh, TerraCycle in Canada and the US is very different. We have access to way less stuff for free to mail back. And okay. so- I guess just for me, sometimes I get frustrated because it's great that certain companies are taking initiative to have people send back their, you know, packaging for free, but most of it is like products I don't buy. So I get so frustrated. I'm like, where are the organic companies? Where's like the kettle organic chip? Where's like the organic blah, blah, blah company? All the companies I buy packaging from, where are they? Can they please raise their hand and join TerraCycle? Because what I have to do is I'm in a position where I can Buy the TerraCycle boxes, and then my waste. I just fill up my TerraCycle box. Takes a year, whatever how long it takes, and I send mm-hmm. it back. But I'm in a position to do that. The average person is probably not, so they have to use the free TerraCycle. But I guess it's just frustrating on my end where the companies I would love to raise their hand don't. Um, yeah. But it would be so. And you awesome think that if, those
1: are the typical? Those are the typical right. companies that like the consumer is just like you, like the consumer of natural organic is traditionally they are natural organic but they're also really really a recycling and environmentally positive consumer like those buyers are very much aligned and that's one of the things that just is like so crazy when you, when you think about it and why one of the biggest challenges though is the those brands, if it's not made by a major CPG, the cost associated with making that sustainable packaging or transitioning away from um, or, or being able to have the money to put forward to allow them to have that logo or whatever it may be. In some cases, they don't, they don't have that, that feasibility or the brand isn't big enough. So they're required, they have to use a co-packer in order to, for their film to run at that co-packer. It has to be a specific film structure, which is optimized to run on that equipment without creating any issues, which creates challenges for them to be able to run that. So there's a lot of like behind the scenes things that the consumer doesn't see, but there's a reason why that film has been designed the way it has been in the past. There's a reason why those materials have been selected for whether it's to seal better or whether it's to provide longer shelf life or whether it's. Um, to provide tear properties. So like easy opening across the top of that seal. Like there's so many of these little tangible things that add up that can create barriers for those, those brands. But it's also like, again, why I'm so excited to be on this podcast today with you is like, Giving those small brands, letting them know they have a source, they have somebody they can come to, they can help them navigate the sustainable packaging challenges. That's what we're here for. And, and because they just don't know, they, they don't know how to make it happen. And sometimes they feel like, well, we're a small brand. We don't have the horsepower. We can't get the support. But there's sources out there. There's resources out there. I'm happy to help people if we're going to be driving towards a sustainable solution.
0: Yeah. And just to like close off, like when it comes to, let's say TerraCycle, you know, it's just, it must be just so hard because they're like, you know, privately owned company, like they're, you know, not a government run, like, you know, when you have like your facilities going, you know, it's like, it's not all over the world. Right. And it's like, how can we marry all these ideas together? You know, so it's, it's such a big thing to take on, right? Right. The stuff that can't be recycled goes to TerraCycle. How can we get everyday people to use TerraCycle? You know what I mean? Is it um, recycling facilities that offer that? okay, now there's a fourth bin people <laughs> like, like, is yeah. is that the answer? Or is that like, again, too confusing? You know, we have your compost bin, your, your garbage bin, which should be almost empty, your regular recycling, and then a TerraCycle bin. And then the recycling facility receives that TerraCycle bin and they ship it to TerraCycle. Like, you know, how much does that cost? You know, do our taxes go up because of this? You know, there's just so many layers, but I think TerraCycle is a big player in this, in the sense that they're taking stuff that recycling facilities can't use or can't recycle.
1: Yeah. The, the, like I said earlier, there's, there's no one size fits all, all this. Um, There's no one size fits all material for this conversation, but we've got to create those opportunities for, for education and, 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 the U.S. is is traditionally much different. We don't have as many bins as uh, as Canada has. We've got <laughs> at least in my municipality, I got one bin, and it's uh, paper, <laughs> plastic, and that's rigid plastic and metal. Uh, they don't we don't allow for for glass recycling anymore. So yeah, I think. We're going to go through an evolution and there's going to be uh, a a next frontier when it comes to recycling with the focus being on enabling convenience and, and the recycling getting better um, and extended producer responsibilities playing a role in in that conversation and the funding of the recycling uh, overall infrastructure and system. So yeah, we're, I would say to all of your listeners, be loyalists when it comes to recycling, be leaders. And I think we're going to, and I don't think, I truly believe that recycling will become more convenient and more knowledgeable and more easy to understand as we're, we move forward. I can tell you that it's it's my life's focus right now, and it's going to be forever, probably. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh no! It, until we can spite the football and say we did it.
0: <laughs> and I just wanted to add, I'm like, it's, I, it's so sad for me to hear like that they don't take glass, you know, like it just, it makes me sad because it's such a robust piece and it's like, I reuse all my glass and it can be recycled. And it just, it's kind of sad that like, it's just going to go in the trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's.
1: Yeah. the, One of the key things that glass is enabling within the, within the landfills is that it it helps because of its weight and because it breaks, it actually helps to keep the the CO2 emissions from landfills from escaping. But the other big thing is that glass is, is, is a heavy material and it's very energy intensive to recycle it. And that's, I mean, you are you are you are you are so green. You're almost black, like you said, and that's a fantastic thing. But we have to like really look at the general consumer. And I'm not trying to generalize the consumer, but the traditional everyday consumer that right. isn't so green that they're black like you. <laughs> uh, and and that's that's why we have to really have the whole uh, perspective of what is a, a circular and total circular economy.
0: Well, this has been an awesome conversation. <laughs> it was really, really good. I loved talking to you and having this discussion with you. So I would love for you to let the listeners know where they can find you um, to learn more and follow along on your sustainable packaging. And they can just learn more and about their journey as well as sustainable packaging.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm on all social media platforms under the handle uh, Jay Quinn Packaged. Everybody can find Freegis at freegis.com. Hopefully, people can also start uh, and, and will get excited about my, my hashtag that I started a few years ago called uh, it's hashtag buy plastic, live fantastic. Hopefully, <laughs> I've, uh, I've gotten you to see maybe a little bit of the benefit and the value that, that plastic can provide, that we're not evil, that we all agree that plastic or any, no other material uh, should be in the environment. And I think those are some of the, the the critical things. But would love and welcome any conversation um, with with any of your 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 listeners to talk about uh, sustainable packaging and and how Prejust can can help.
0: And I just wanted to add before we close out is that there's a couple of guys that I met about a year ago. All they all know each other. <laughs> And you know, you guys really did open my eyes to be honest with plastics. You know, I, I don't like plastic and I and I I say that a lot, but it was just really great having you know conversation with you and and just meeting, you know, the group of guys that you know where it's all about packaging and just open my eyes to like it's not all evil. <laughs> yeah. It can be part of plastic can be part of the packaging, you know what I mean. Yes, we can emit some of it, but yes, some of it does have to stay. So I do thank you for that. I thank you um, for opening my eyes to that because if I had my blinders on, I'm pretty sure a lot of other people have had their blinders on. So I think having this conversation is just so important. It's just you can still hate plastic if you want to, but at least you're a little bit more educated to why plastic is being used in packaging.
1: Yeah, but hopefully people don't hate me because I love plastic.
0: (laughs) no one's gonna hate you no one's gonna hate you (laughs) well thank you so much for being on i really really appreciate it it was such a great conversation so to stay connected with me on instagram you can follow me at green junkie podcast and don't forget to subscribe to the green junkie podcast on the platform you're listening on if you're curious about zero waste living sustainable fashion or wondering how to read food cleaning and product labels i've got you covered For direct access to me, your green living expert, click the link in the show notes. And also you can find all of Jonathan's information in the show notes. Um, You'll be able to ask me questions. You can get a customized plan on how you can live a greener life. Hop on a one-on-one call with me or ask me your questions via email. If Zoom is not your thing, I can be your personal green Google and you can pick my brain. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday, green junkie.